this is the in focus podcast from the hindu hello and welcome to the hindu's in focus podcast i'm anjali thomas your host for today in this episode we unravel the mystery of the black tigers of similipal tiger reserve in odisha You see more than 50 years ago when the tribals who lived there reported sightings of tigers so dark their stripes almost fused together in patches threatening to erase parts of their orange coats nobody believed them since then there have been numerous sightings of these pseudo melanistic tigers as they are called but we didn't know what caused them to change their stripes until now a team from the national center for biological sciences in bangalore has uncovered this mystery It is the result of a rare mutation in one gene, the TACPEP gene or transmembrane aminopeptidase Q. Their findings were published earlier this week in the journal Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences. So, the team found that the mutation is rarely seen in tigers outside the reserve. What caused these tigers to change their stripes and in such a short period of time? To speak to us about their findings, we have with us the authors of the paper, Dr. Uma Ramakrishnan, molecular ecologist and professor at NCBS, and her student Vinay Sagar, a PhD student and lead author of the paper. Hello, guys, and welcome to the Hindu In Focus podcast. Hi, Anjali. Hi. Uh, my first question would be uh, to you, Uma. What made you and your team decide to focus on these tigers from a genetic perspective? Was it a natural progression from your previous research? So, Anjali, uh, you know, we've worked for the last fifteen or so years on the conservation genetics of tigers. Uh, we've worked a lot on uh, several tiger landscapes where populations are connected, like in Central India. but this particular uh, project actually began uh, from a purely curiosity driven perspective dr devabrata swain who was part of the odisha forest department and also the national tiger conservation authority uh, was fascinated by these tigers uh, and approached us uh, with a simple question you know why do they look the way they do and so what started as a very curiosity driven question um, you know soon became a much uh, kind of a deeper investigation of why they look this way and why these tigers seem to occur only here and folded in very well with our understanding of evolution and what happens in small and isolated uh, populations of endangered species uh, in one of the earlier conversations you were saying that you know it's literally like watching evolution live in many ways could you all expand on that so you know when we actually think of evolution like uh, if we talk to uh, someone or on the street about it we think about changes in of course looks or phenotype uh, but we also think of it as driven by selection that is certain uh, you know uh, phenotypes are better adapted and so on but technically evolution just means change change in uh, gene frequencies or change in phenotypes and so basically uh, if you just look around tiger range we don't see these uh, melanistic pseudomelanistic tigers anywhere else and the fact that we do see them in similipal suggests that for whatever reason there has been a change in the frequency or the commonness of this specific mutation uh, so that's evolution in action in a sense okay uh, so one of the findings uh, when i uh, you all mentioned you mentioned in the paper that an estimated 37% of the tigers that uh, you found were pseudomelanistic 
Now, uh, is that a high percentage of uh, genetic variation within this population of tigers in the reserve? I think um, 37% actually we came to that number from the 2018 report that NTCA does uh, every four years, NTCA does nationwide census of tigers. So they had reported about total eight tigers photo captured uh, in 2018. And around the same time, we had also done sampling for non-invasive samples in Simli Park. And they reported three pseudomelanistic tigers out of eight. So from there, we, we reached this number of 37%. Um, I, I think like within a population, uh, particular frequency of uh, a phenotype frequency of a particular phenotype being 37% is, is not that high. But when you look at around Simli Palin, all over the country, and you don't see this phenotype anywhere else, and not just the phenotype, when we checked, we also did not see the mutation variant anywhere in any population. So that makes it a relatively very, very high frequency, and we wanted to investigate what's happening. So Anjali, if I can just add here, basically, you know, since it's a recessive trait, that means in order to look pseudo-melanistic, you must possess uh, two copies of this allele from both your mother and your father, right? Uh, so the frequency of this allele is uh, almost 60% uh, in uh, Simlipal Tiger Reserve and potentially less than one in 800 or so uh, outside, okay? So that contrast, that difference uh, in the frequency itself is uh, definitely, uh, you know, very high. Uh, the number of uh, pseudomelanistic individuals uh, of whatever 37 or 40 percent may not seem high, but that's because this is a recessive trait, which means that you have to have two copies of it. So it's basically 0.6 squared, and only 0.6 squared proportion of individuals will look this way. Now, what is the reason for this concentration of uh, this uh, recessive gene turning up within this population? The paper mentions, uh, you know, the, uh, genetic drift. We also talk about uh, the fact that they are isolated and that there is, uh, the natural habitats are shrinking. So is it genetic, is it a mixture of genetic drift as well as shrinking habitats that has resulted in this? So if I can take that, uh, Anjali. Basically, you know, the thing is that we're talking about correlates. So, for example, if suppose Simlipal was very well connected via gene flow or migrant tigers to some other population, if that was the case, and given that this allele is so rare outside, if there were many individuals coming into Simlipal and leaving Simlipal, then what would you expect very quickly? this uh, allele or this mutation would go down in frequency, right? It would become less common, okay? But because it is isolated, because there is no inflow of the other allele, uh, so to say, uh, this particular population maintains a high frequency of this mutation. Now, the cause for the lack of gene flow is something else. Is the cause for the lack of gene flow habitat fragmentation uh, maybe it's more likely that Simlipal is simply very far away from other kind of robust source populations of tigers where individuals could leave and come into Simlipal. Does that make sense? Yes. Uh, I'll let uh, Vinay explain about the drift. Vinay, could you, could you talk about uh, genetic drift uh, and its impact on the tigers here? 
Yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, so basically how genetic drift works is, is it's a background force in evolution, right? So it's always acting, doesn't matter in any natural population, how big or small the population is. It's just that it happens by chance. So basically it relates to uh, just by chance who can be your, your, your mate, right? When you re reproduce. So based on that, there can be fluctuations in the frequency of the genetic variants you get like the, the next generation gets from the previous generation. So basically these fluctuations can increase when the population is really, really small. So doesn't matter if the genetic variant is beneficial or harmful for an individual. Because of genetic drifts, this random fluctuations in the frequency of genetic variants, the, this frequency can increase or decrease, right? So in case of Simlipal, because the population is, is small, and also not connected with other population. So you don't have any other um, individuals or genetic variants coming in from other source populations. So that's why the frequency of certain variants can rise to a high frequency. So basically what you're saying is that if there was a larger population, we would not have noticed this with such frequency. Maybe Anjali, I'll just clarify that. So imagine uh, you're tossing a coin, right? And the coin is an unbiased coin you only could get heads or tails, okay? Uh, so the chance of getting a head is, getting heads is 50%, right? Now, but if I toss that coin once, I will get only a head. So I think that the chance of getting heads is 100%. If I toss that coin 10,000 times, quite likely I will get equal numbers of heads and tails because I've had enough times to do it to get an unbiased or, you know, a non-biased perspective of the frequency. That is genetic drift. When you have a small number of tigers, by chance, you have pulled out or, you know, you have more of the melanistic alleles uh, represented in the population, uh, even though they were less, they may not have been that common before. All right. A related question on this is, uh, in your study, you all have spoken about how some of the methods to, co to counter this. And just to clarify, this is something that it's not just uh, the tigers here that are facing it. it look, these are something the conservation efforts across with maybe the lions and the Serengeti and the cheetahs. They've all found similar, uh, similar problems. If, if problems is the right word of low of a low of low gene pool or lack of variation, so one of the uh, suggestions you all have made is uh, the reintroduction of maybe a new tiger into the reserve. I'll take that, Anjali. I mean, I think uh, theoretically, gene flow, right, uh, is the best option for populations which are small and isolated, right? That's theoretically, and that's what science will tell us. Uh, now, practically, uh, introduction of individuals, whom to introduce, how do those individuals do, do in these new habitats, should we be weary of manipulating nature so much? These are all questions uh, which are ethical and practical, right? And have to be considered uh, more deeply before any management action is immediately taken up. Uh, but it's something which definitely should be explored there were uh, attempts to reintroduce tigers to um, uh, to augment the tiger population in a close by tiger reserve called Sarkoshia, which failed. They failed. So we need to be very, very careful uh, before jumping into something like this. 
but from a scientific perspective that is what science would recommend now that doesn't mean that if we do not do it this population will definitely go extinct no on an average small isolated populations have higher probabilities of extinction than large and connected ones but a specific population we cannot say for sure it's going to go extinct tomorrow or something i hope that's clear yes now can you talk about how you all went about this uh, you know the, the collecting of uh, fecal samples saliva samples sequencing them then comparing it with uh, uh, captive tigers uh, could you talk a little bit about the research i mean it took years right 3 4 years yeah 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 4 years i'll let binay i'll let binay uh, go into that yeah yeah uh, so so uh, basically it's, it's it was really really difficult to to you know get get to this question of what is the genetic basis of the particular type in wild tigers you know because you can't get um, like a good quality samples from wild tigers you don't even get to see them quite often right so how to get dna sequence of those tigers it was difficult so for the first question actually we were lucky enough that there were captive tigers in bhubaneswar zoo which were pseudo melanistic and we could get blood samples and saliva samples from those individuals and we were able to crack the question of what is the genetic basis but once we knew the mutation then we had to see if this is the same mutation is present in simlepal tiger population the wild tigers or is is it something different you know are captive tigers different from the ones in the wild so for that we went into simlepal we conducted about one and a half month long field work where we um where we walk in the forest uh, about 20 kilometers 25 kilometers each day and we basically look for these fecal samples of tigers or or their shed hairs from where they was they sat at some point time or or where they scratched on the trees so we try to look for those shed hairs and yeah so collected those samples brought them back to the lab and yeah extracted dna out of those and looked at the sequences from from those and sure enough we found that the same mutation was there in simply now uh, you all compared it with uh, the with uh, pseudo melanistic uh, captive pseudo melanistic tigers five if i'm not mistaken in two reserves uh, in two uh, reserves in india so uh, does that show that there is some kind of uh, are the uh, are the relatives is there a commonality between those given the rarity of uh, such tigers outside similipal yeah so basically anjali you're asking how did we suddenly have Suromelanistic tigers in the zoo, right? In that, in a sense, they are only known from Simlipal. Well, we tried to track back uh, the pedigree um, and this from the stud book, all the known records of who was mated with whom in the zoo and so on. Zoos also swap animals, you know. Um, so basically, when we did that, we uh, found that one of the possible like uh, endpoints of this allele, this allele could have come from. Uh, an individual called rani is that right yeah. uh, who was uh, kind of uh, captured uh, and brought in from simlipal uh, was it in the when was it 1980s yeah i think so around the 1980s yeah. or some such thing i'm bad with dates so forgive me if that's off but several generations ago um, a female was brought from simlipal so all we can guess is that this female was a carrier Uh, of this uh, suromelanistic allele and because zoos do tend to inbreed because they have a few number of individuals right so they do inbreed they do uh, matings between uh, you know uncles and nieces or some such thing second degree relatives they do breed uh, and because of that these alleles kind of came back together 
from that that same one allele came back uh, together uh, through other individuals into this litter so basically the litter which had one white pseudomelanistic and one normal pseudomelanistic individual two cubs uh, both their parents were carriers and both those parents traced ancestry to rhyme got it so now what happens now you've done this study it's one of the it's the first right where you all have found uh, the phenotype and identified the the mutation accurately what do you how, how do you see this being taken forward so anjali if you're asking in the context of this population i can try and answer that and maybe vinay can talk about uh, you know where he sees this going because he has other projects on uh, you know color variants in his phd maybe he can just say a couple of sentences about that uh, i guess um, let's wait and see uh, if there is interest in uh, thinking or engaging with these results on the ground what do they mean what should we do how should we think about the future of this population of course in total collaboration with the odisha forest department and the state authorities in odisha and the national tiger conservation authority managers basically who implement things we are happy to work with them and to discuss further um yeah i mean i think that i think for me what's really interesting is this is another instance of an isolated population uh, and i would like uh, we would like in simply part to understand a bit more about fitness uh, do these pseudomelanistic individuals actually have more offspring uh, or not um and that's something which will take quite some time to understand uh, maybe a decade if not more but it will be good to start those investigations in a long term study to see what's happening to these tigers is there a evolutionary consequence or not and so on and i'll let vinay talk about you know other such studies possibly in india yeah so so anjali one thing that that we could not really you know uh, like work out in this study was is there any kind of adaptation in simlepar for these tigers so and what the reason for that was we, we did not have uh, that kind of data we could work with so of course one of the things that we want to work in future is uh, get some good quality samples if we can and try to get like sequence data with which we can try to answer these questions whether pseudomelanistic tigers have any advantage or disadvantage you know over a normal tiger in simlepar and then of course this is this was one of the cases where uh, tigers have shown this uh, peculiar phenotype in the wild and there are other cases from other populations where such tigers such peculiar phenotypes have been observed for example um about a year back there was a photo being circulated from from kaziranga tiger reserve of a golden tiger which was uh, camera trapped and also photo uh, the photo photographed by a tourist as well so we have started to look into that the genetic basis for that golden phenotype is is already known uh, but what we are trying to look at is what is the frequency of that particular mutation in that population and nearby populations and because if kaziranga is a large population right compared to simlepar so how does that affect the frequency of these color variants and you know what what can we understand about the evolution of such phenotypes from large population and then small populations is there anything else uh, that you all would like to highlight about uh, about this paper um, i think anjali it's nice to uh, recognize that uh, this is uh, this work uh, was possible because we had uh, a large set of collaborators uh, you know tiger labs labs which 
who work on uh, genetics of tigers from across India, uh, you know, experts who work on cat uh, coat patterning, um, you know, managers and uh, stakeholders of tiger conservation nationally and at the state. And I really hope that um, uh, working together, uh, it was really fun for us. We really enjoyed the opportunity to work with so many people. And I hope that, you know, um, some learnings from this will get incorporated on, into our understanding of uh, futures of tiger populations on the ground. Uh, despite, for me, despite having worked on tigers for so many years, I feel like there's uh, several important and interesting questions that remain. Um, even for something which is, we feel that tigers are very well known and well studied. Uh, but uh, but yeah, so so that's it. I think it's it's fascinating that we are able, we are able to actually work on such uh, you know things which are like mysteries, and I hope we can continue to do so in the future. Great. Sorry, one last question. What is there any one of the burning mysteries that you're looking that you'd like to know about? I mean, you'd want to know about because you say that even though yes, we all know about tigers in comparison to say other uh, mammals or lesser known birds and insects, tigers are the most popular uh, mammals around. Um, you say that there are still some questions. Is there any one particular question that's keeping you up at night? Yeah, I think Anjali, I really want to better understand the consequences of inbreeding. Uh, we are seeing signatures of inbreed. So inbreeding is mating between relatives, right? Inbreeding depression is the loss of fitness or, you know, the poorer survival of individuals who are inbred. Um, and uh, all of our uh, experimental work with flies and mice, uh, you know, data from uh, other species suggests that inbreeding is bad and leads to inbreeding depression. Um, but uh, I'm... I'm not. I want to understand this better because in wild populations, such understanding is is much much harder. Uh, so I want to be able to understand this better, and I hope that we can also in the future. Uh, we are hoping to work with historical skins, uh, which were you know 50 years old, maybe 100 years old, to get a get an idea of how did all this change happen. Today we're looking only at the present. But whatever we see is the culmination of many years of the past. And it would be very nice if we could actually step back in time and look at things uh, from that perspective. Great. I think we'll end on that note. Thanks so much. And uh, looking forward to reading more of that comes out from your lab. Bye. Thanks, Anjali. Thank Bye. In Focus will be back soon with analysis of the biggest news issues. In the meantime, you can find our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher and other platforms. Just search for In Focus by The Hindu. We'll see you soon.